Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And they were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. In the holy name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You either have all of Jesus, or you have none of him at all. If Jesus is not born of the Virgin Mary on that night in Bethlehem, then Jesus could not be crucified and die. If Jesus did not bear witness to his divine sonship and sinless life, then God in Christ could not take all of your sins and even death unto himself. If Jesus did not die, then he could not be raised from the dead to the glory of God the Father. And if Jesus is not raised, then our faith in him is vanity and we're still dead in our trespasses and sins. And if Christ is not ascended to his Father and your Father, then the power of his resurrected life has not gone out into the world and into your hearts. You either have the whole Jesus, as confessed in the creeds, or you don't have Jesus at all. And so it was that the resurrection of Christ came as a complete surprise to the disciples. The Gospel narratives bear witness to the total confusion on Easter morning when these disturbed people rushed to the grave. They didn't yet have the whole Jesus. The rumors and then the testimonies of the good news, they clashed together. The women came to the tomb in the dawn and found it empty. Mary Magdalene rushed away and brought Peter and John. The others, in the meantime, had met the angels and heard their message. And in turn, they went back to the city so excited and disturbed that they scarcely dared to tell the unbelievable news. John and Peter came to the tomb and found the grave clothes and an empty tomb. Only John sensed that some, something of what had happened. And when they had gone, only Mary stood outside the tomb, weeping. And there she met the resurrected Lord himself and ultimately recognized him. Soon after this, Jesus showed himself also to the women who were on their way to the city. And at last, the whole company of disciples heard what had taken place. It is significant that they did not believe what was told them, but they were sure it was all idle talk, or what we might say is the beginning of a myth. But Jesus didn't stop on Easter morning. During the course of the day, Christ sought out one after another of his distur doubting, disturbed disciples. First it was Peter, then Cleopas and his friend on the way to Emmaus. And at last in the evening, he greeted the whole group of disciples who were gathered together behind locked doors. 
And only then, showing them the wounds, were their doubts overcome. The incredible had become a reality, and their sadness was turned to jubilation. This is, of course, the way that it always happens when a group of eyewitnesses tells about some bewildering and unexpected event. At first you hear and you do not believe, hearing again and again and again. Finally, as the proof mounts up, you come to trust. It is exactly the clear, obvious surprise, the amazement, the confusion, and the many unexplained connections among the various accounts that bear witness to the truth and reality of it all. If this story, the story of Christ's resurrection, were fabricated, there would not be all these unexplained connections, all of these eyewitnesses corroborating to the truth. But in the reality of history, which has been handed down to you, there these connections are. So maybe it seems to be a shock that no one seems prepared for Jesus to rise from the dead. You either have the whole Jesus or you don't have Jesus at all. He must rise from the dead. He had told them. It seems only the pagans and unbelievers were the ones prepared. Well, not to believe, but rather for the potential of a fraud or a hoax being perpetuated. St. Matthew tells us that some of the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priests all the things that had happened. When they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers, saying, Tell them his disciples came at night and stole him away while we slept. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will appease him and make you secure. Matthew 28. So we see that even the hostile witnesses acknowledged that Something's happened. It appears that Jesus rose. Of course, it's more than that. Apostles, evangelists, disciples, and the rest of the eyewitnesses want you to know that Jesus is more than myth or legend. His birth, his life, his suffering, his death, his resurrection, his ascension are all historic facts, real events that happened in real time. And if this were not true, there would be no point, or little point rather, to our gathering, our preaching and teaching, or any of the rites and rituals and pageantry of the church. The whole business of the church becomes just another religion among many, really just religious idolatry, if you don't have the whole and real Jesus. And worse than that, of course, if you don't have the real Jesus, Again, you'd still be dead in your trespasses and sins, unforgiven and outside your promised resurrection. But Christ has been raised from the dead, and the eyewitnesses bear witness. So listen to how the scriptures speak of this day, this Easter day. Consider how the apostles and evangelists and disciples unanimously doubted in their flesh on this day but later believed by the Spirit. For example, St. Paul writes, For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, 
and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, and then by the twelve. 1 Corinthians 15. Or consider the evangelist St. Luke, who recalls, In the former account I made, the gospel, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Acts 1. Or consider how the beloved St. John testifies. Truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written, hold on a second, I'll back up, St. John testifies, truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. This is the disciple who testifies of these things and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. John 20 and 21. Or consider how St. Peter records, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Whether it be Paul or Luke or John or Peter or the rest, they all considered these events, the events of this day, to be real and true, historic facts. They bear witness. They saw them with their eyes. They record the testimony of those who saw them. And that's because they believe, like we do, that you either have all of Jesus, you have the real, bodily, living Jesus, or you have none of him at all. And so the resurrection witnesses knew what they had shared. The accusation that they had made it all up, well, they could endure that, as we do. And because of their testimony, they had to face persecution. As the book of Acts records, they were beaten, crucified, some of them stoned. But ask yourself this question, why would they do that? Why would they suffer the persecution? Why would they allow themselves to die for a lie? Would they die for a lie, a hoax? Or even if they were under some kind of mass delusion, would they set aside their first and most primal instinct of self-preservation? Of course not. But they could not be silenced. They had to speak. Their hope was in Christ's resurrection, as is yours. And so, when brought before the council, the Sanhedrin, St. Peter and St. John themselves confessed, For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard, Acts 4. 
So you are given to confess those things that you have seen and heard. You are given to confess the whole and real Jesus, and nothing and no one less. Everything promised by God, every gift he has promised to give you, forgiveness, his providential life, your eternal salvation, all of that depends on Jesus, dying for your sins and being raised for your justification. Clearly attested to by many witnesses who are even willing to die for the sake of the truth. And then everything else will fall into place for you. Believing that Jesus died and rose, you won't nearly have the same kind of trouble with the rest of the things that the scriptures records, whether it's the dry bones given vision given to Ezekiel, or the raising of Lazarus, who had been dead some four days, or the raising of that son to the widow at Zarephath. Resurrection is entirely possible for Christ, for he was raised. It's no fairy tale, it's the truth. So we are given to confess. And I think it's fitting for us today that we confess, according to to what Dr. Luther has given us in the second article of the Creed. That's your cue. There we go. Let's say it together. I believe that Jesus Christ, true God, begotten of the Father from eternity, and also true man, born of the Virgin Mary, is my Lord, who has redeemed me, a lost and condemned person, purchased and won me from all sins, from death and from the power of the devil, not with gold or silver, but with his holy, precious blood and with his innocent suffering and death, that I may be his own and live under him in his kingdom and serve him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness, just as he is risen from the dead, lives and reigns to all eternity, this is most certainly true. Alleluia, Christ is risen. Alleluia. In the name of Jesus. Amen. We thank you for listening to this podcast from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church Sermon Center in Random Lake, Wisconsin. If this podcast is of benefit to you, please consider supporting the work of St. John by visiting stjohnrandomlake.org, that's stjohnrandomlake.org, slash support, and give today.